Good morning. It's Sunday, late morning, and I'm Wimala, and I'm going to read, and then we can sit together. I'm reading from this book by Lama Yeshe, a Tibetan monk, and it's it's called Becoming Your Own Therapist, and it's a beautiful book. There, it's beautiful because. The truths are universal for anyone, whether you're Buddhist or not. And he writes, his writing is very clear and succinct, and it's just good advice. So if you can, there is a PDF copy, and it's easy to get the book. So we are reading, I was reading uh, Friday about the, from the Q&A from the section on a glimpse of Buddhist psychology. And the, some of the questions at the end of, the, of each talk he gives uh, kind of get off. People have the opportunity to ask all kinds of uh, questions. So looking through this, I think we've hit the ones that are the most specific. And this talk, A Glimpse of Buddhist Psychology, he gave in New Zealand in 1975. So this next, part two. So we've, we've read a little bit about how, how the teachings of the Buddha really um, plug into what we know in psychology today. So they're very good mind, mind trainings. Part two is make your mind an ocean, aspects of Buddhist psychology. So this is, uh, this, this was, uh, apparently this is two books put together. So here's an editor's preface to this part two. In the Lama Yeshe Wisdom Archive's first book, Lama Yeshe's Becoming Your Own Therapist, I mention the unique qualities of Lama Yeshe's teachings. Make Your Mind an Ocean again makes evident just how special Lama's teachings were. The talks, excuse me, the talks in this section are on the general topic of the mind and were given during Lama Yeshe's and Lama Zopa Rinpoche's Second World Tour and tour in 1975. So excuse me just a second. I had the great honor of accompanying accompanying the Lamas on this tour and was present at all these discourses. Most of the people who attended were new to Buddhism and had never seen a Tibetan Lama before a situation quite different from what we find today. As ever, Lama's timeless wisdom shines through, and his teachings are as relevant today as they were back then. Of greatest interest, perhaps, is a Buddhist approach to mental illness. Here, Lama met with a group of psychiatrists at Prince Henry's Hospital, which was at the time a teaching hospital connected with Monash University Medical School. Prior to that, it had been affiliated with Melbourne University, and Prince Henry's was where I studied my clinical medicine and worked for several years after graduation. 
Thus, several of the psychiatrists with whom Lama met that afternoon were former teachers and colleagues of mine, and apart from anything else, I was interested to observe their reactions, their reaction to my outer transformation. I was in monk's robes at the time. The hospital was demolished a few years ago. The last time I drove by it was but a hole. The last time I drove by it was but a hole in the ground, a symbol of how much has changed since those halakan days. Anyway, those doctors were delighted to meet and question Lama, and this historic exchange underscores the difference between Western and Buddhist concepts of mental health. And then he thanks uh, Rand Engel, Victoria Freeman, Fremont, Christina Russo, and Wendy Cook for their excellent editorial input, which greatly improved the way these teachings read. So this is almost like a second book. So, but this is these are talks with uh, psychiatrists and medical doctors. Chapter one: Your mind is your religion. Your mind is your religion. When I talk about mind, I'm not just talking about my mind, my trip. I'm talking about the mind of each and ever, each and every universal living being. The way we live, the way we think, everything is dedicated to material pleasure. We consider sense objects to be of utmost importance and materialistically devote ourselves to whatever makes us happy, famous, or popular. Even though all this comes from our mind, we are so totally preoccupied by external objects that we never look within, we never question why we find them so interesting. As long as we exist, our mind is an inseparable part of us. As a result, we are always up and down. It is not our body that goes up and down, it's our mind. This mind, whose way of functioning we do not understand. Therefore, sometimes we have to examine ourselves not just our body, but our mind. After all, it is our mind that is always telling us what to do. We have to know our own psychology, or in religious terminology, perhaps our inner nature. Anyway, no matter what we call it, we have to know our own mind. Don't think that examining and knowing the nature of your mind is just an Eastern trip. That's a wrong conception. It's your trip. How can you separate your body or your self-image from your mind? It's impossible. You think you are an independent person, free to travel the world, enjoying everything. Despite what you think, you are not free. I'm not saying that you are under the control of someone else. It's your own uncontrolled mind your own attachment that oppresses you. If you discover how you oppress yourself, your uncontrolled mind will disappear. Knowing your own mind is the solution to all your problems. One day the world looks so beautiful, the next day it looks terrible. How can you say that? Scientifically, it's impossible that the wor world can change so radically. 
It's your mind that causes these appearances. This is not religious dogma. Your up and down is not religious dogma. I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about the way you lead your daily life, which is what sends you up and down. Other people and your environment don't change radically. It's your mind. I hope you understand that. Similarly, one person thinks that the world is beautiful and people are wonderful and kind, while another thinks that everything and everyone are horrible. Who is right? How do you explain that scientifically? It's just their individual mind's projection of the sense world. You think today is like this, tomorrow is like that, this man is like this, that woman is like that. But where is that absolutely fixed, forever beautiful woman? Who is that absolutely forever handsome man? They are non-existence. They are simply creations of your own mind. Do not expect material objects to satisfy you or to make your life perfect. It's impossible. How can you be satisfied by even vast amounts of material objects? How will sleeping with hundreds of different people satisfy you? It will never happen. Satisfaction comes from the mind. If you don't know your own psychology, you might ignore what's going on in your mind. I'll let that airplane, it must be a small private plane because it sounds like it's right overhead. If you don't know your own psychology, you might ignore what's going on in your mind until it breaks down and you go completely crazy. People go mad through lack of inner wisdom, through their inability to examine their own minds. They cannot explain themselves to themselves. They don't know how to talk to themselves. Thus, they are constantly preoccupied with all these external objects. While within, their minds are running down until they finally crack. They are ignorant of their internal world and their minds are totally unified with ignorance instead of being awake and engaged in self-analysis. Examine your own mental attitudes. Become your own therapist. You are intelligent. You know that material objects alone cannot bring you satisfaction. But you don't have to embark on some emotional religious trip to examine your own mind. Some people think that they do, that this kind of self-analysis is something spiritual or religious. It's not necessary to classify yourself as a follower of this or that religion or philosophy to put yourself into some religious category. But if you want to be happy, you have to check the way you lead your, mind, your life. Let me read that sentence again. It's really important. But if you want to be happy, you have to check the way you lead your life. Your mind is your religion. When you check your mind, do not rationalize or push. Relax. Do not be upset when problems arise. 
Just be aware of them and where they come from. Know their root. Introduce the problem to yourself. Here is this kind of problem. How has it become a problem? What kind of mind has made it a problem? What kind of mind feels that it's a problem? When you check thoroughly, the problem will automatically disappear. That's so simple, isn't it? You don't have to believe in something. Don't believe anything. All the same, you can't say, I don't believe I have a mind. You can't reject your mind. You can say, I reject Eastern things. I agree. But can you reject yourself? Can you deny your head, your nose? You cannot deny your mind. Therefore, treat yourself wisely and try to discover the true source of satisfaction. When you were a child, you loved and craved ice cream, chocolate and cake, and thought, when I grow up, I'll have all the ice cream, chocolate, and cake I want. Then I'll be happy. Now you have as much ice cream, chocolate, and cake as you want, but you're bored. You decide that since this doesn't make you happy, you'll get a car, a house, television, a husband, or wife. Then you'll be happy. Now you have everything, but your car is a problem. Your house is a problem. Your husband or wife is a problem. Your children are a problem. You realize, oh, this isn't satisfaction. What then is satisfaction? Go through all this mentally and check. It's very important. Examine your life from childhood to the present. This is analytical meditation. At that time, my mind was like that. Now my mind is like this. It has changed this way, that way. Your mind has changed so many times, but have you reached any conclusion as to what really makes you happy? My interpretation is that you are lost. You know your way around the city, how to get home, where to buy chocolate, but still you are lost. You can't find your goal. Check honestly. Isn't this so? Lord Buddha says that all you have to know is what you are, how you exist. You don't have to believe in anything. Just understand your mind, how it works, how attachment and desire arise, how ignorance arises, and where emotions come from. It is sufficient to know the nature of all that. That alone can bring you happiness and peace. Thus, your life can change completely. Everything can turn upside down. When you once, what you, what you once interpreted as horrible can become beautiful. If I told you that all you were living for was chocolate and ice cream, you'd think I was crazy. No, no, your arrogant mind would say, but look deeper into your life's purpose. Why are you here? to be well-liked, to become famous, to accumulate possessions, to be attractive to others. 
I'm not exaggerating. Check for yourself, then you'll see. Through thorough examination, you can realize that dedicating your entire life to seeking happiness through chocolate and ice cream completely nullifies the significance of your having been born human. Birds and dogs have similar aims. Shouldn't your goals in life be higher than those of dogs and chickens? I'm not trying to decide your life for you, but you check up. It's better to have an integrated life than to live in mental disorder. It's better, I'm going to read that sentence again, since I'm kind of allergy here. It's better to have an integrated life than to live in mental disorder. A disorderly life is not worthwhile, benefit to neither beneficial to neither yourself nor others. What are you living for? Chocolate? Steak? Perhaps you think, of course I don't leave, live for food, I'm an educated person. But education also comes from the mind. Without the mind, what is education? What is philosophy? Philosophy is just the creation of someone's mind. A few thoughts strung together in a certain way. Without the mind, there's no philosophy, no doctrine, no university subjects. All these things are mind-made. How do you check your mind? Just watch how it perceives or interprets any object that it encounters. Observe what feelings, comfortable or uncomfortable, arise. Then check. When I perceive this kind of view, this feeling arises, that emotion comes. I discriminate in such a way. Why? This is how to check your mind. That's all. It's very simple. Mind is a forerunner of all states. And this is exactly, that's from the uh, Dhammapada verse we chanted at the temple every time we're there. So that's great. How do you check your mind? Just watch how it perceives or interprets any object that it encounters. I'm rereading that. Observe what feelings, comfortable or uncomfortable, arise. Then check. When I perceive this kind of view, this feeling arises, that emotion comes. I discriminate in such a way. Why? This is how to check your mind. That's all. It's very simple. When you check your own mind properly, you stop blaming others for your problems. You recognize that your mistaken actions come from your own defiled, deluded mind. When you are preoccupied with external, material objects, you blame them and other people for your problems. Projecting that deluded view onto external phenomena makes you miserable. When you begin to realize your wrong conception view, you begin to realize the nature of your own mind, 
and to put an end to your problems forever. Is all this very new for you? It's not. Whenever you are going to do anything, you first check it out and then make your decision. You already do this. I'm not suggesting anything new. The difference is you don't do it enough. You have to do more checking. This doesn't mean sitting alone in some corner contemplating your navel. That's a, that's an old-fashioned uh, phrase, isn't it? <laughs> you can be checking your mind all the time, even while talking or working with other people. Do you think that examining the mind is only for those who are on an Eastern trip? Don't think that way. Remember that the nature of your mind is different from that of the flesh and bone of your physical body. Your mind is like a mirror reflecting everything without discrimination. If you have understanding wisdom, you can control the kind of reflection that you allow into the mirror of your mind. If you totally ignore what is happening in your mind, it will reflect whatever garbage it encounters things that make you psychologically sick. Your checking wisdom should distinguish between reflections that are beneficial and those that bring psychological problems. Eventually, when you realize the true nature of subject and object, all your problems will vanish. Now that we're still in the middle of this, no, we're almost at the end, but... Let me, okay, I'll read, and then we'll have a little bit of time to sit. Some people think they are religious, but what is religious? If you do not examine your own nature, do not gain knowledge, wisdom, how are you religious? Just the idea that you are religious, I am Buddhist, Jewish, whatever, does not help at all. It does not help you. It does not help others. In order to really help others, you need to gain knowledge, wisdom. The greatest problems of humanity are psychological, not material. From birth to death, people are continuously under the control of their mental sufferings. Some people never keep watch on their minds when things are going well. But when something goes wrong, an accident or some other terrible experience, they immediately say, God, please help me. They call themselves religious, but it's a joke. In happiness or sorrow, a serious practitioner maintains constant awareness of God and one's own nature. You're not being realistic or even remotely religious. If, when you are having a good time, surrounded by chocolate and preoccupied by worldly sense pleasures, you forget yourself and turn to God only when something awful happens. No matter which of the many world religions we consider, their interpretation of God or Buddha and so forth is simply words and mind, these two alone. Therefore, words don't matter so much. What you have to come, what you have to realize is that everything, good and bad, every philosophy and doctrine, 
comes from mind. The mind is very powerful. Therefore, it requires firm guidance. A powerful jet plane needs a good pilot. The pilot of your mind should be the wisdom that understands its nature. In that way, you can direct your powerful mental energy to benefit your life instead of letting it run around uncontrollably like a mad elephant, destroying yourselves and others. Those are great images, aren't they? I don't need to say much more. I think you understand what I'm talking about. At this point, a little dialogue would be more useful. Ask questions, I'll try to answer. Remember that you don't have to agree with what I say. You have to understand my attitude, my mind. If you don't like what I've been saying, please contradict me. I like people to argue with me. I'm not a dictator. You people should do this. You people should do that. I can't tell you what to do. I make suggestions. What I want is for you to check up. If you do that, I'll be satisfied. So tell me if you disagree with what I've said. And now and after that, there's the there are the Q and A's. And from this talk, these should be very interesting to read. This is that group of uh, psychiatrists and uh, medical doctors. So then, lots of Q and A, and it's from Melbourne University in Australia, 1975. Um, and I was just reading from Dr. Punaji's uh, talks and uh, his books on the Eightfold Path yesterday, and he was talking about when when we get to the to what we often talk about. I do is about the the right effort, which he calls right exercise, harmonious exercise. Um, that's when we are trying to prevent any more of the defilements from coming into our minds and we're trying to then uh, get rid of get rid of the defilements that are in our minds and protect protect our mind from more uh, like negative bad things coming in that garbage to come in and then we we're maintaining and cultivating that goodness and he's, he's being very clear in his talks that the Buddha meant that to be what we do constantly. And that's meditation always going on. And as we advance spiritually in the Eightfold Path, that becomes easier to do. But it becomes a continu our continuous mental state. And people who are very... Uh, you know, really, really uh, close to becoming awakened, enlightened. That's what they're doing constantly. They do it with every activity that they're doing. And so they're always doing, uh, putting out that effort or, or doing those exercises. They're always uh, cultivating their minds and protecting and protecting them and uh, maintaining and cultivating more goodness and continually checking to be sure that their minds are still uh, still good and pure and that they're not caught up with, uh, you know, delusion. And so I like the way he puts it, and then Lama Yeshi's saying the same thing. That's the, that's the whole 
That's the whole point of, that's what our lives can become. And then everything we do becomes a meditation. So, um, why don't we take five minutes and just sit together. Just be with your breath. And if you want to let some of the ideas that we that Lama Yeshe talked about, and that they're all familiar to all of you, um, and we can see them these days in in many different from many different platforms, people are understanding these principles more and more. So, if you have a few more minutes to be with me, then let's just sit together. Let your back be straight. Whatever position you're in, let your back be straight. Roll your shoulders back if that helps. And it feels good. Let your body feel aligned from the top of your head down. Just imagine that golden cord running through your spine and up through the top of your head and just letting it be. Letting it be just aligning everything all the way down. If you have time today with your practice, do a body scan. That can be your meditation. But right now, let's just be with the breath. Feel your body relax. Just keep letting go. Let go and let be.
Then may all of you, and I, link, I include myself, be well, be content, and be peace. And may everything we do and say and think be done not only for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all others, of all living beings. And let this all just radiate out into all of the universe. May peace be with us. Thank you for practicing with me. I'll see you Tuesday.